a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Oh yeah, baby. You know, Mitch. He loved the cougars. Mitch Harper. Good afternoon, Cougar Nation, and welcome to a new edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast on kslsports.com. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper. It's Friday, June 24th. Here's the roadmap for today's show. If you ever want to watch the program live, it's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at high noon on KSL Sports YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. We've got a one-on-one interview with BYU running back coach Harvey Unga coming up on the show today. I go into the running back room, what BYU's doing on the recruiting trail as a Big 12 member. It's some really good in-depth insight into the running backs that go beyond the surface-level conversation. So I think you want to definitely tune in to hear Coach Unga discuss those running backs because Harvey has done a really good job with that room. He produced a single-season rushing leader, and Tyler Algier was not some blue-chip prospect. He was developed. He put in a lot of work, but some credit, quite a bit of credit, has to go to Coach Harvey Unga. Tom Homo's preference for Big 12 divisions, he shared his thoughts on that. I'll share my commentary about the Big 12 divisions and maybe a timeline of when we can expect to see a decision on that front. And then finally, takeaways from BYU football media. And honestly, let's start things off there with BYU football media day. I'm going to miss BYU media day because it was a great opportunity for the media to talk with coaches and players. It was in-depth breakdowns. It, It was outstanding. I typically don't get caught up in the surface level stuff. I like going kind of next level in depth because once you get to fall camp, once you get to the season, it's not topical to ask about some third or fourth string running back. It's okay in the media day setting to get a big picture outlook on a position room and and you go from there. So it was great. The entire KSL sports team, myself, Matt Biamonte, Dallin Graff, the TV guys, Sam Farnsworth, Jeremiah Jensen, Kyle Ireland was there, KSL Sports Zone was there. I mean, KSL Sports, we had you covered from top to bottom. We were all over it at BYU Football Media Day, and it's a fun event. The era 
of BYU Media Day comes to a close, BYU has said they'll think of something in the future, maybe a post-spring ball event uh, to gather a bunch of interviews and content for the dog days of the summer. But going forward, the month of July and Big 12 Media Day will be the off-season mile marker that indicates the season is around the corner. The most notable thing at this year's Media Day is that there wasn't any big-picture college football questions at this Media Day. It was more of a comfort of everyone knows where they are at and looking ahead to the future. Because for so many years, BYU Football Media Day was, well, this thing's happening in college football. How does this impact BYU and independence? Is independence a dead end? Is it something that's not going to work out for BYU? There was always those questions about every media day. Tom Homo doesn't talk to the media at media day. He does his state of the program. It gives a little bit of a lens into what you know BYU's at at that moment. But that was a nice thing with media day was that it was more about the future and obviously the 2022 season, not getting caught up in, all this doom and gloom of independence is bad and this and that. And, you know, it was interesting when Holmo did say at the Independence Era show on BYU TV that there were times where maybe he had doubts that was this the right move for BYU? I mean, I can point to many times over this Independence Era where the fan base had those thoughts. You're sitting in November, and it's a cold, dreary, rainy afternoon at Lavelle Edwards Stadium with about 40,000 people in the stands, and you're playing Savannah State, and you're going, what is going on? (laughs) Why is this game being played? How has this happened to BYU football? But at the end of the day, it all worked out. Tom Homo's big on hard is good. That's one of his phrases that he's a big fan of. The hard times turned out to be good for BYU as they now move into the Big 12 Conference. And they know that. They know they're a Power 5 program now. Pete Thamel noted in that BYU TV Independence Era special, the the ground might shift on them, and and that's true. Because they're not going to lose, the Big 12's not going to lose autonomous five status. The NCAA is never going to change that. The question for the Big 12 will be, will they maintain the same equal revenue share in the next iteration of the college football playoff? We don't know what that looks like in 2025. With no plan in place, it raises some concerns about maybe where the position of the Big 12 lies. I think the same can be said, though, for the ACC and the Pac-12, honestly. Big 10 and and SEC, SEC's head and shoulders above everyone else. I think they're far better than the Big Ten, too. The Big Ten, to their credit, they've got elite brands at the top, but their fan bases are incredibly passionate. They love college football, and that's what makes the Big Ten so attractive. Everyone else, there's a step down significantly on the fan base portion. BYU's going to step into the Big 12 Conference and have one of the best fan bases from the jump. But the Big 12 has some some hyper-focused fans that do care about college athletics, and I think it's one of the reasons that gives them some optimism moving forward. 
But media day was a good day. It was a fun time. I I enjoyed it. I thanked Brett Pine, the BYU media relations staff. It was great. You'll hear a lot of the interviews myself and Matt Biamonte had on KSL News Radio coming up, leading up to the start of fall camp on August third. But it was a lot of fun, and it gives you a perspective on the upcoming season and also the future. And that future includes. Big 12 membership, as we've discussed. And Tom Homo, on Wednesday, he did have an interview with another media outlet. Sikkim 365 Radio in Waco, Texas. He hopped on to that show, and it's a Baylor-focused program, but they also talk a lot of Big 12 and college football. He was asked, Tom Homo was, about his preference regarding Big 12 Conference divisions because that is one of the big things that needs to be settled on in the Big 12 Conference. What are they going to do with the structure of the 14-team league in 2023 and how are the schedules going to be made up? Will they have divisions? Will they not? The NCAA Oversight Committee has dropped the requirement to have divisions to hold a conference championship game. What do they do? Do they continue with the no division model? Tom Homo responded, quote, for someone that's not been in a conference for a number of years, but has watched and seen what the Big 12 and the various conferences have done with their divisions or not with the Big 12, I think it's in the best thing to not have divisions. And I look now and I see that a number of the other conferences are going without divisions. I feel it's in the personal best interest of the Big 12 to not have divisions. As we do this, we may learn something from not having divisions that would change in the future. But I think going forward, especially since we're going to have Oklahoma and Texas for the near future, and then you're going to change the number of teams, would that change the divisions? I think it's a lot easier, and I think it'll be better in the long run to not have divisions, end quote. Tom Homo given some opinions on the Big 12 divisions. I personally like no divisions as well. But in the 14-team Big 12, if that does last for two years in 2023 and 2024, I would go with two divisions. And I'd have Texas and Oklahoma in one division. Then when the 12-team era starts in 2025, drop the divisions and move forward without them. I, I, I would want no divisions from the standpoint of cycling through the opponents on the schedule more often. The Big 12 Conference ADs will meet in August in New Orleans for a Sugar Bowl event. It's there that they could potentially have a decision on the makeup of the 14-team league. So keep that in mind. Uh, That's going to be happening coming up in August. Big 12 football schedule for 2023 is still tentatively set for a October release, but as we've grown to know, things can change in this sport, but time is ticking. That's why I think when people think Texas and Oklahoma are going to bounce and BYU's not going to be in the league with them for 2023 or 2024, I think at least for 2023, BYU will be in the same conference as Texas and Oklahoma. Because time is ticking for the schedules. The SEC and the Big 12 typically release their football schedules for the following year around September or October the prior year. 
Last year, the SEC released their 2022 schedule in September of 2021. Same with the Big 12. So time's ticking, and the divisions are a big piece to how the Big 12 is going to move going forward. I think the counter-argument to divisions in support of them is that why have why have no divisions where you're just piecing together the perceived two best teams in a potential rematch, and then maybe the second best team that's not in the playoff hunt, but they're the second best team, they knock out the number one team. Don't you want the number one team to have a decisive edge against the other division champ that might only be eight and four. You know what? There's there's a lot of arguments to be had. I think ultimately, though, going no divisions is the the correct route because then you're cycling through all the opponents and probably an equal amount of times. And in the Big Twelve, you don't have to worry too much about preserving some rivalry because honestly, in this new iteration, there's not many rivalries, and that's going to be something that hopefully can change in a hurry because. Great conferences have great rivalries, and you can't just manufacture that out of thin air. There's got to be some great matchups. Baylor and TCU a few years back had something brewing for a while. It's kind of tapered off, though. Can they maintain something that becomes a must-see event in November every single year in the college football calendar? That's going to be something to, to keep an eye on going forward. Now, though, it's time for my conversation with BYU running backs coach Harvey Unga. I always enjoy my chats with Harvey. He's entering his third season already as the running back coach of the Cougars, his alma mater. Here's my chat with BYU running back coach Harvey Unga here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. First, I want to ask, what was it like, spring evaluation period, you were everywhere, man. What was it like being around selling BYU football as a member of the Big 12 Conference? Oh, that was, it was fun. It, the, um, for me, it, this is the first time I'm, you know, I, I was able to go out, go to visit schools, go to different states, and, and um, it was pretty cool. In, in the past, I've heard um, that, you know, certain coaches, high school coaches will have certain lists and certain, you know, guys that they would bring to different coaches depending on the conference or um the school and in the past you know i've heard that there were majority of the schools that we go to a lot of guys that were kind of sent over to us were you know a mountain west caliber kid or um just i guess your byu fit type kid where being my first time going out, it was it was fun to see like they were a lot of the schools and a lot of the coaches were bringing out a bunch of these P five kids, like kids that had offers from every conference you could think of, um, and and for me it was cool to see because like I've always felt like we've been a P five program. Obviously, not being in the conference or whatever changes it, but um, 
I've always felt that way. So now actually going into these schools and seeing the type of guys that coaches are bringing to us and, and you know, kind of showcasing for us, it's, it's cool to see, like, it's, it's these top-tier caliber players. And it's fun, you know, the coaches recognize that and they see that, okay, hey, you know, BYU's here, we've got these guys, certain group of guys, and um, it, it's been cool just to be out there and, and be amongst, I guess, you know, all these other different schools like Oregon and USC and um, Iowa, Michigan. Like, it's, it's, it's been fun to see that kind of stuff. You've got some P5 talent in your room. Christopher Brooks, as a grad transfer, you bring back Lopini. you got Jackson McChesney. Since you've been part of the staff, and even before you were a full-time assistant, do you feel like, yes, you lose Algier, but that maybe the depth as a whole in this room is maybe as good as it's been since you've been around? Yeah, no, I too. I mean, obviously losing Ty, it's 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 tough, but um, before Ty was Ty, you know, that was always the question: who's up next? So for me, I'm like, great, you know, who's up next? I'm not worried about um, any of the guys in the room now. I, I feel like each and every one of the guys are capable of being that guy. Um, so it's, I don't, I don't want to say, like, it's not a matter of really who. It's, it's more so just, you know, when the next guy's going to step up and, and, you know, where, where and, and when that'll be. Um, I, don't, I don't know, but... It's it's been cool to see. Like I don't have to worry a ton as far as the drop off from the number one guy to the next or the next. Like I've got a great room and I love all the guys in there. There's not a huge drop off, like I said, and, and it's it's something that we haven't had for a while. Um, in the past, we've you know you've had a, a feature guy, and then after him, it was kind of iffy. We I mean there were, we were at a time when we were looking at the defense to bring guys over. You know, and it's it's cool to see now. Like, I'm not worried about that. Like, if one guy goes down, I know the next guy is going to be ready. If he goes down, I know the next guy after him is going to be ready. So, it's cool to have that kind of depth and and that sense of security. It's it's nice. How quick did Chris Brooks take to the playbook as far as his knowledge? Maybe just the the, the depth of it all. Honestly, a lot faster than I anticipated. The kid's smart. Like he's super smart. Um, and we have a pretty complicated offense um, but for him to come in and, and right away from week one in spring ball it was cool like I was a little worried kind of you know throwing him in there um, just because I wasn't exactly sure you know how he was going to handle all of it because it was like drinking out of a fire hose but um, I think he he shocked A-Rod I think he shocked pretty much all of us because he knew he pretty much knew the playbook going into spring ball like he had studied his butt off um, understood, you know, the runs plays, the pass plays, uh, protection-wise, like, really smart, savvy kid, and, and picked up the pass protection like that. It was it was something I was, I was actually really impressed with. So. I wanted to ask you about Jax McChesney because he's a guy that's had a unique path thus far. He's four years in, yet he's got one of the best single-game performances in BYU history at, at UMass back in 2019. And then last year, he's getting the game-winning touchdown against USC. What's maybe areas that he's working on to try to earn more playing time this year and beyond when your guys are in the Big 12? Um, I think, shoot, like any of them, it's just consistency. Like doing, if he can follow up a UMass game or, or you know, 
play exactly how he did in the USC game on a consistent basis and practice that way. Um, I mean, he's easily, you know, the candidate to be the guy. And, and all the guys know, like, I'm not... I told him I'm never just going to give a spot to somebody. Like, you, you're going to earn it. And, and for Cheese, a lot of it would just be, you know, him doing those things consistently, um, you know, being able to pass protect consistently, you know, making the right reads on his runs consistently, um, being able to catch the ball, you know, out of the backfield and, and you know, making plays consistently that way. Um, a lot of it is just, you know, the guy that – does his job and does it consistently at a high level he's going to be the guy and, and cheese is just as capable of anybody like in that room so is houston hey officially in your room because i know in spring he was part of the tight ends yeah so he's actually with with coach clark and the tight ends coach clark's kind of dubbed the the fullback tight end hybrid guys into his room so houston's over there with him i wanted to ask you too about enoch nawahine from utah state just recently got added out of the portal what did you like about him? Is he also um, walk on? How, how, what's uh, what's his stats with you? Yeah, no, he's a stud. Um, did a lot of great things at Utah State. Um, awesome, you know, player out of high school too. But he's, um, I, I felt like he fit what we're trying to do with the offense. He's he's a kid that can catch out of the backfield. Um, he's not afraid of contact. Like he's he's shown that. And um, there's you know. Coaches from that previous staff at Utah State had nothing but amazing things to say about him. So to me, it was just like, all right, well, we'll take a chance on on him and, and see what we can do. And, and um, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of where it all started. Was you know, A Rod talked to certain coaches and got to know you know some good things about him. And, and we watched his film, evaluated him as a staff, and all of us agreed, like you know we. We like what we saw, and we want to give him a shot and see if you know if it's if it's going to work here. And that's I mean that's where we're at now. So, Luve Hilo, I know he's back. I assume he's going to probably gray shirt, maybe be later in the winter. What's his status? Yeah, we're, we're I mean as of now we've we've been talking about the the gray shirt thing and, and him joining mid year. Um, but it, it was funny because we when guys come back from the missions, you know we we want to make sure. We're not rushing them, you know, not going to cause any danger, any harm to them coming back early and trying to just jump right in. So with him, I I told him, you know, we'll we'll play by ear, kind of see where you're at. Um, I feel like it'd be best if he gray-shirted, but every player is different. Guys, some guys come back super in shape and ready to go, and other guys it takes a little bit longer. Um, I'm not going to lie, he actually surprised me. the kid looks really good right now, um, and, and I'm, you know I'm excited for him. But we'll we'll kind of we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. We haven't really made any final decisions yet, but we'll see. I know in spring you had a guy in Corner Canyon, Austin Bell. Is is he still part of the running back room? Still, what's the status with him? Yeah, so Austin actually decided to hang up the cleats, and um, he just he wants to focus on school, and, and um, so yeah, he's he's doing that just doing the school route and um has some other goals and aspirations and i you know, I, I love the kid to death and i you know we miss him in our room he's a great kid but um you know it was a decision that he and his family decided was best for him and you know i support him 110 percent you know i all the all the guys know like we love him to death and, and it's you know 
I guess it was just something that he had thought long and hard about and decided that that's what he wanted to do. So I think so much talk nationally about transfer portal and this and that, but it seems like at BYU it's more about maybe moving on maybe just for school and just education and kind of a different type of athlete here. It is. I'll be honest. Like that, That's one thing that's been it's, – it's really different for me. Um, the guys, I think the, there's a maturity level that – a lot of them see the big picture and they realize, you know, football isn't everything. Um, there's there's life, you know, after football, and some of them see that before others. And um, it's just I, th- I think it's different. Like, it's different for everyone. And, and some guys, you know, they see it earlier than others. And some guys just, you know, they, they love what they're doing here and they love being a part of the team. And, and um, it's something that. You know they want to see it to the end and until they graduate and finish and um, but I, I I have noticed like some guys they, they really love you know they're passionate about you know whatever major that they're going into or whatever um, venture ahead of them you know leads to away from football and, and kind of you know they want to get started on it now um, so it's it's different um, especially for me because in my head I'm always I was always thinking football. Um, but it, it's also it, it's cool to see like the maturity level of some of these guys to step away from something they've been doing their whole life, um, something that they love and enjoy, but you know want to pursue something else that's going to help them in the long run. That's BYU running back coach Harvey Unga here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. I told you it'd be an in-depth conversation about that running back room. I wasn't just going with who's Christopher Brooks. Hey, I, I get it. There's some outlets that's that's topical, but you, the diehards that listen to Cougar Tracks, I know what you need. You need those deep cuts. You need that in-depth breakdown. That's why you're here. That's why if you're listening to this podcast on June 24th or whatever day you're listening this to this on, in the month of June, you care about BYU football year-round, and you want those deep cuts, so... I think I provided some of that to you in that chat with Harvey Unga. That's going to do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as always. It's always a pleasure talking with you guys, talking some BYU football. Ten weeks till kickoff. Can you believe it? Season is quickly approaching, and I'll have Cougar Sports Saturday coming up tomorrow. You'll hear... My conversation, mine and Matt Biamonte's chat with BYU head football coach Kalani Satake, along with conversations with Braden Cosper and Chase Roberts. It'll be a loaded show on Cougar Sports Saturday from noon to three on KSL News Radio, your legacy home of the BYU Cougars. Cougar Tracks will be back on Monday at high noon here on KSLSports.com and all major podcasting platforms. Catch you then. Here on Cougar Tracks, powered by kslsports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.